Hey, uh, welcome to a new podcast episode of Gaming Historia. I'm Kenny May, also known as Rio Bucks, and I'm here with Chris Hepburn, also known as Audrey. And this is going to be a bit of an unusual one because this is actually going to be episode one of a brand new podcast that we're both of us are going to be working on uh, called Gaming Historia Besieged. Um, basically, we met up through Gaming Historia and we chatted about all sorts of nonsense. And one thing became very noticeable was that we both had a borderlining obsession with Rainbow Six Siege. Very, very true. And so what we thought we would do is make a podcast about it just once every two weeks we record a podcast um often about what is currently going on with regards to new seasons new updates things like that um other times it will be just general topics uh such as what future desires we want to see in the future what maps we would like to see or what maps are about and how to play them well, what operators we would like to see, what favorite operators we have, and general tips and tricks. Um, for our first episode, we thought we'd just start with something a bit more simple, roll us in. I know Parabellum's coming up, and, you know, I think that's going to be an absolute blast and change the field. But let's roll in a bit slower, and, you know, I thought we'd just generally talk about advice for new players yeah rainbow six siege is kind of daunting for a new player because there's a lot to take in and a lot of skill so just having a, a podcast talking about like some of the stuff that a new player could know should know and just ease them in i think would be a really cool idea mm. so i guess a good place to start with this type of uh episode is how would you describe Rainbow Six Siege to a brand new player who has never heard this unusual title sliver out the door about three years ago? Well, I would ask them first, do you know Call of Duty? They would probably <laughs> say yes. Do you know Battlefield? They'd probably say yes. And I'm like, do you know the difference that Call of Duty is arcade, Battlefield's more tactical? Well, Rainbow Six Siege is even more tactical. This is a game where it's really fun, quick-paced in most times, but it's just doing really cool strategies in all different kinds of situations with all different kinds of characters and gadgets, and you're just trying to win with a couple buddies. (laughs) I mean, for me, I guess I would take a bit more of a... um unusual approach, I guess? More... um niche approach where i would talk about okay so have you ever heard or so you know call of duty and you know battlefield of course you do you know you play them all the time you like them shooty guns now what if i was to say that there was a game where rather than dashing around fields and shooting as quickly as you can what if there was a tactical shooter one where tactics prevailed over just quickly flicking headshots here and there and everywhere what if there was a game where each person you play as has a special unique ability like a MOBA you know 
You know MOBAs, you know League of Legends, you know Dota 2. What if you had Call of Duty mixed with League of Legends? You know, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. And add to the mix. You know, you get frustrated that you run around the corner and then you get shot in the face by someone with a shotgun. Now, what if you could just shoot straight through that wall? Because you know that guy's there, you know, he's been shuffling around like no tomorrow and there is a greater focus of sound than typical games like Call of Duty. Um, what if you just shoot them straight through the wall like that? Um, the main difference is, though, in addition, is because it's tactical and there's that element of destruction used meaningfully, you know. For me, I didn't like Battlefield in the sense of destructibility was not really a tactic. It was something you would kind of do for fun. Um, Rainbow Six Siege, you tactically decide, okay, I'm going to burst through that particular wall in that particular way uh, to a very particular effect. It's more slower pace. You know, gunfights don't last for these, like, 30... 20 30 seconds because everyone's got uh so much health on them you know like overwatch it's one where two free bullets will put someone down so you've got to be tactical and you've got to be careful you've got to watch the angles but god damn it's so satisfying when you nail it <laughs> so satisfying <laughs> and you know, it is more slower paced, but I think it works out for it. So, I think I'm starting to kind of hint at it, but, you know, we both, me and Audrey, came from separate angles in terms of why we got into Rainbow Six Siege and what we still appreciate it. So, um, I'm going to throw this question to Audrey first. Why did you get into Siege in the first place? And why the hell do you stick about with all the... Uh, considering that you probably die a lot and <laughs> oh know, god I go through weeks where I just do complete and utter trash yeah <laughs> well for me it, it was recommended to me by a friend because my goal is to be a game designer eventually <clears throat> same with the friend I was talking to and he was telling me that Rainbow Six Siege on a technical level is superb the gunfights the gunplay are nothing like anything else so i was like oh this is this is actually really cool and then he showed me a few videos and i'm like wait this looks really fucking cool like what you can do so i went out and bought it on the ps4 i'm like 30 bucks for it sounds good and this was back when i had to earn all the operators so i earned everyone and i'm like this is just so cool what i can do like all the different strategies i could take testing new things doing different things and even now it's been like eight months. I've put so many hours into it to a point where a normal person would be bored at this point. And I just love it because I'm, I'll go through phases where I just prefer different operators and I'm just trying to do different things every time, trying to pull off that wicked cool kill or play and just the strategy or whatever. It's like, even if I just want to have fun, I just pull out a character named Sledge and go hit someone with a sledgehammer or at least try to. <laughs> Also, I have two buddies I play with at night, and a new friend just got it, so he's going to be joining our group soon. And it's always fun just joking around, messing around, 
and sometimes my friends like to be really dumb and do stupid things in the game and it's hilarious so it all in all it's just on a technical level incredibly fun with a lot to do but also seems very minimalistic in the sense but surprisingly in-depth and it's just a lot of fun and if you watch youtube videos of rainbow six siege fails they're hilarious so those also help get me into it mm. now to throw the question back at you what got <laughs> you into it and why do you stay okay so uh i kind of hinted at this before a tiny bit and there's two things that kind of got me a bit curious off the bat the first one was destructibility i remember playing uh games like battlefield bad company 2 and the destructibility was cool but it never felt like a means to an end it was just rampant destructibility for fun and fun is nice but i think that it's a lot more interesting when you basically build a game around a destruction engine <laughs> because it gives you a lot more tactical options to be able to decide, okay, I'm going to breach this wall in this particular way. I'm going to use this shotgun to create a hole. Um, I'm going to shoot the floor out. You know, thing, loads of things like that. It creates a lot more angles that a typical shooter didn't. And the second thing is, is I am honestly a sucker for mobiles gameplay. Weirdly enough, I don't like MOBAs. I tried Heroes of the Storm. I played it a good amount, but I just got sick of it. Really annoyed with, like, the gameplay, the community, and things like that. But I always adored this idea of having characters with unique abilities that offer something new to the table, which offer new angles to approach a situation. Um, and Rainbow Six Siege for quite some time have been doing these free weekends um and so one free weekend i launched it i gave it a pun and i thought it was pretty good you know it was enjoyable i stuck with terrace hunt because goddamn pvp would just kick my teeth in but it was good but i didn't buy it then i waited another season another free weekend came about i you know, experimented a bit more and have general fun. And then I thought, okay, um, screw it, I'll buy it. It's on sale, you know, it's 50% off. Shouldn't be too much. And plus, this was, as Audrey said, this was back during the days when you had to unlock your operators. You had to work for it. You had to give your blood, sweat, and tears to get every single operator. So... And I'd lock, unlocked a couple, so I was just like, okay, you know what? I'll buy it, you know, it's not too much. I can live with it. And ever since then, I stuck around in it. And I think while destructibility has kind of waned its appeal, I mean, it's really cool. And I really adore this idea of creating a destructions engine and then basically building a 5v5 shooter around it in close quarters combat um i adore that but it's kind of like it's not kept me hooked what's keep kept me hooked is the unique operators and how each operator 
seemingly gives you another angle to approach a combat situation. Um, the most recent operators offered the ability to pinpoint any enemy who's moving or to give you a sudden adrenaline surge to kind of charge in there. Um, which those two combined with a few other operators um, change the landscape from this more slower probing gameplay into a what was dubbed as a rushed meta where you are literally just charging straight into the building as fast as you could and just taking over the base really quickly and I just really adore it and I'm always fascinated and hooked every time they introduce the new season and you know I'm really excited to see how Parabellum hangs out honestly I am so excited for Parabellum because I wasn't the biggest fan of Operation Chimera which was the last season because where I play the two operators weren't the biggest deal they were for like the first couple weeks when it came out and then it just kind of fell off Mm. but um yeah so I'm pretty excited for the new season but for anyone who now thinks oh I should go out and get this game I'm gonna give you a caveat right now get the game don't listen to anyone that says PC Master Race or whatever. Just get in on what you feel comfortable with and where your friends are. Because that's how you're going to have the most fun. Also, if you do buy it on PC, do not, and I repeat, do not buy the Starter Edition. Mm. Or is it is it Starter Edition? Or starter is it, Edition. I think there's yeah. one on consoles as well. I think there's a Starter Edition on there if you get no, it through No, consoles the... do not have a Starter Edition do they if not? you buy disc. If you I buy mean, the disc, it's disc, not yeah. a starter edition. But I mean, through the store, I think there's a starter edition. I'm having a look now. Um, no, there okay, isn't. So it's completely unique to PCs. So there's a starter edition on PC, and here it's twelve quid, brand spanking new. For me, um, it's twenty dollars in Canada. Mm. But there's two problems with start well there's quite a lot of problems the problems start that whenever it goes on sale and it will always go on sale before a season we just finished the sale sadly um the sale discount will always be noticeably less than the other editions like standard advanced gold complete um the other problem in fact should we take a bit of a segue and go through each of the editions about? I believe that would be good. So, I'm going to start with the starter edition and why I say you should not buy it. Why you should not buy it is it gives you, what was it, six operators off the hop. The game released originally with 20, and it's only going to give you six. Mm-hmm. And then you have to earn all the others, which does take a little bit of time, and for someone who's brand new they don't know what six to pick from because they don't just give you six you have to pick the six no you don't and some of this oh no no (laughs) starter edition includes random instant access to three of the following attack operators ash thermite thatcher fuse and sledge and random instant access to three of the following defense operator operators rook mute smoke jaeger and capcan you then um Back during the heyday. Yeah. (laughs) 
back during the heyday as well. I mean, the Starter Edition was absolutely awful when it was first released, back when you did have to earn all the operators, like the original 20. Because the most expensive the operators would get is 2,000 Renown. To give you a vague ballpark figure of what that means, you can earn somewhere between, I would probably say, 100 to 400 or 500 Renown, based on your performance, if it's Terrace Hunt, Casual, or Ranked, factors like that. Or if you finish any challenges in a match, which you only get, like, one a day. Yeah, I mean, the challenges I'm excluding, yeah, but... In fact, yeah, I think it's more closer to some somewhere between 100 and 400 you get per match. And you may... Uh, the most expensive they would have gotten was 2,000. Uh, now, you just get them for free whenever you get the normal edition. But uh, if you get starter edition, you have to spend 12,500 renown per operator which the Rainbow Six Siege store page informs that it roughly equates to 15 hours of gameplay per operator, which 15 hours to spend per operator. <laughs> I was unaware of that, and I, I am in complete shock. So yes, moving on, by the <laughs> standard edition. Why? It is a little bit more, but you get all base 20 operators right off the hop. Every map the latest edition with all the updates and you get every attachment for them before you had to earn your attachments with renown mm. now they come with everything so everyone has the same same entry point there's it's lowering the barrier of entry so get the standard edition if you don't want to spend a lot but that mm-hmm. is the best entry point so yeah. just completely ignore starter edition yeah the normal edition is significantly better you get the base 20 the DLC operators, which, by the way, the 12,500 renown, is that the amount of... I don't quite remember, I admit, but is that how much DLC operators are for you? DLC operators for me are 25,000. 25,000. So it's half that, which is better than it used to be because it used to be the same. Um which we'll get to that basically what has happened is is since release of rainbow six siege you've gotten uh four seasons every year and each season you've gotten two operators uh which are considered dlc operators because they were released after release but anyone can access them the only caveat is if you don't have a season pass, you have to buy them. Either using Renown or the premium currency, which is called R6 points. Um, I wouldn't say... I would say there are some DLC operators who are brilliant. And there are some uh, DLC operators which are dreadful in a similar way. There are some base game operators which are brilliant. And some which are dreadful. You know... but. We'll get one to that the, in a second. Yeah. Just for now, one of the lovely things is you can play as a base, just base game operators and have a blast and keep up with everyone else. You do not need DLC operators to do well. 
You really so to c- continuing on with the additions, there's an advanced edition. I would mm-hmm. also say stay away from this one because it only comes with 600 bonus in-game like premium currency and 10 outbreak packs, which are discontinued. Yep. It's it's really not worth it. If you were to pay more for more characters, gold is an idea because it gives you the year three pass. It is, again, a little bit more pricey, but you get all the characters coming out this year when they come out a week before everyone else. Well, you get a bit more than that. <laughs> well, you also get the 600 bonus Rainbow Six credits and the 10 Outbreak packs, but... Well, okay. Those are nice, but... Yeah, sorry. It's a little more than that. Um, sorry I'm being a bit pedantic about this. To me, I would say that the Advanced Edition is not great, but can be okay if you've got a bit more change in your pocket and there's a DLC operator who everyone keeps raving about because 600 R6 points... You're spending, according to this, an extra five quid for 600 R6 points. It's not great, but with 600 R6 points, you can get one DLC operator. So that's something to consider. If you want a way to just sink your teeth into one operator that everyone keeps screaming about, there you go. The gold edition, the R- the yes, you get the 600 R6 points, but... In addition to seven-day early access to each of the new operators, and you get them, you get them, you don't have to pay for them, you just get them thrown at you. In addition, you get 5% Renown Boost, you get an increased chance of Alpha Packs, which we'll get into what an Alpha Pack is. Think loot boxes for skins that... Actually, I think that sums it up, honestly. It's a loot box for skins. It's not even loot boxes, because you only get one skin. But they earn completely in-game, and you cannot buy them with real currency. Yep. Yep. Um, You also get eight exclusive headgear and uniforms for each of the DLC operators. Each operator, you'll just get an extra skin thrown at them, because why not? Based on personal experience, they're not usually that great, but, you know, it's there. Um... And I think that's it. They also mention R6 Charm, but I don't think you get... No, you do get that. Sorry, because there was a exclusive deal going on in terms of year 6 free pass. If you got it before a date, date has passed, so it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. And, yeah, you get 10% discount in-game store, which added towards the 5% renown boost. You know, cool things happen. Uh, that VIP system ends uh, at the end of January next year. So that's just one thing to consider. If you get the pass, it's not for life. It's not like a dog. It's only a for year the year. pass. Yeah. And then the last edition is the complete edition, where you get your one and two operators, the year three pass, which was everything in the gold edition. Mm-hmm. And you get all the characters right off the hop. So you get all the year one and two operators, which are roughly about, for me, $40 for one year worth. Or no, it's yeah. $20 a year, sorry. $40 for the two years, and then another 40 for year three, because you get all your bonuses and stuff like that. And then you don't have to unlock all the base operators. You have them all. 
So yep. if you really do have money to spend and you want to dive in headfirst or you're coming <laughs> from another platform, get the complete edition. Yeah. I mean, this is what Audrey got recently uh, because it's coming in from PS4, knows the game like the back of his hand, you know, he wants all the operators straight off the bat, so you got the complete edition. I would not recommend it for new players because there is there is a chance that you won't like Rainbow Six Siege, and I don't want to be responsible for the fact that you just spent ninety five quid on a game that you won't play anymore. Or it's, I think it's fifty percent discount. So even then, we're talking about fifty quid, about fifty quid. For a game that you don't play anymore. So I don't want to be responsible for that. Also, another fun fact. I was looking for the store page really quick. Um, getting the pricing. And I just noticed that the user-defined tags for it. I mean, there's first-person shooting, there's action. But there's also psychological horror and survival horror <laughs> thrown into the mix. Oh, that makes Which, so much sense. Not wrong. Not wrong. <laughs> uh, so This game gets pretty intense sometimes. That adds to a lot of the fun. Do you know what? Shall we start bursting into the tips and tricks for new players? Because I think that actually might seep into one of the major, major things to consider in this game when you play it. Is sound. Sound, like... I mean... When I'm saying tips and tricks, we're all, we're going to assume that you've played Call of Duty, you know Battlefield, you know how to point a gun at someone and spray until their body stops twitching. But, unlike Call of Duty and Battlefield, sound is a really big deal. You really have to listen for those footsteps. You really have to listen for those bangs go coming from the other side of the map because they will tell you of activity and where people are and in that sense it is like almost like a psychological horror survival horror because you're cramped in the corner watching an angle and you can hear the footsteps above and you know that's the enemy because there's no highlight of your allies up there so you know the enemy is doing something up there and you're hoping you don't hear the horrifying plinks of cluster grenades bursting through the ceiling to blow you to hell. <laughs> Have any of you ever watched a horror movie where the person's just about to get away, but their phone goes off just Ooh. as the enemy's walking right past them, but doesn't notice them? Well, that can happen in Rainbow Six Siege, and let me tell you why. There's an operator. <laughs> she calls you. She actually calls your whole team, and you have to turn your phone off. And trust me, they will hear you. They will hear your phone buzzing, and they will hunt you down. Yep. It can then, be incredibly scary. And then there's another operator where they track your footsteps, so they'll know where you are based on where you've been. And then there's another operator where what she does is she takes you down to the floor with her pistol, and then she tortures you to tell you like to tell her where your allies are so now she's hunting down the rest of your team knowing exactly where they are because you just had to tell them you know it's cool things like that but oh I and think that operator is incredibly yeah. scary looking she yeah. does not look friendly yeah yeah <laughs> 
Anyway, I think we're getting way, 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 way off topic. <laughs> we'll bring all these up in a moment, but... But, first, you know, you buy this game and you're excited, but you're not sure where to start. And the best place to start, as crude as it is, and it's very crude, is the tutorials. Because there's three videos, each about one and a half minutes, which will teach you the world about uh, Siege, how to secure and destroy walls, to barricade doorways so you break that line of sight, and to either secure or to break floors in, because sometimes nothing like just shooting down at your foes from above. Uh, each one of these will net you some renown. The main thing I really want to warn you about these is um, these are dated. These were first created when the game first came out. And, you know, it shows. Because there are uh, at least one of the video's flaws is kind of wrong. <laughs> Uh, because Flaws was done when the game was first released and they're using what's called breaching charges, which are these small pads which break things, like just explode things. Back it's, what then, you see, they, it's what you see SWAT officers use in movies that blow open doors, basically. Bingo. But back then there wasn't a light system. You know, it was a bit of a guess game in terms of are you actually going to create a hole that you can go straight through? Or are you actually going to be able to just shoot through the floor as there's like the skeletal remains of the building <laughs> holding up? Because, sorry to say, you can't just floor the entire uh, base. Like, you can't just collapse the building around the enemy. <laughs> but you can um, create really nice sight lines or holes to drop down from. Yeah. So and obliterate your enemies. So just to let you know, when you have your breaching charges, there is a light on it that will tell you in terms of the destructibility of what you're about to plant it on. If it is green, you can break it, you can create a hole, you can go straight through the hole, you can have a lovely time getting shot after going through that hole. If it's yellow, what it means is, is you break open the floor or the wall. You can do walls as well. But there's the skeletal remains of the wall, so you can't walk through it. But what you can do is you can spot enemies below and you can shoot them in the face. And red means it's completely indestructible. You can't do it. Don't even try. Yeah, and the it's game not even going to let you. The game does a really nice thing where if you can't blow it up, it won't even let you place it. So you're yeah. not wasting your gadgets. Mm. That said, um, there are the very rare exception to this rule, such as there's a map called Plane or Presidential Plane, and there are some walls that it will give you the green go ahead yeah blow it up charge straight through and then you do it and then you find out that there's still the skeletal remains of the wall and you can't actually run through it 
Um, if you want to know the exact locations, we discovered that between meeting room and I think what's called main entrance, um, there's a corner where the sofas are. You have to climb on top of the sofas to put the breach charge down. If you break that wall with the breaching charge, you can't go through. You can do the rest of the wall. You can charge straight through all you want. But just that part where the floor, where you have to climb on top of the sofa, you can't. We also found out that if you try to breach a wall uh, to the stairs leading down into cargo hold, a bit further down that corridor, you have the same problem, the skeletal remains of a wall, despite the fact that the light was green. So there are the odd exception, but really it's rare, so don't worry too much. Just play the game, you'll learn the maps, and you'll have a lot of fun. Yeah. I will say that it's the very rare exception. So anyway, you... Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, speaking of playing the game, the next thing you should do if you're brand new especially if you're on console the game has to update you could do this while it's updating play the situations there are 10 situations which are basically tutorial levels you're playing against ai bots in this mode called terrace hunt which is like player versus environment mm -hmm. and this is going to be the best place for you to learn how to play before you go on to an online match and it's going to make you feel the most comfortable yeah. reason being is is they put you in specific situations that can happen in the game and they give you the tools on how to get out yeah it's um, not only that they will start introducing you to the nature that operators do have special abilities and how those special abilities may work um, some of them will be very obvious you'll click on very quickly what it's all about um, one of the earlier ones is a operator called Ash she has a breaching round in her a grenade launcher you point out what you want to explode you fire it explodes you know simply said but then you come across some situations where it's less clear what the operator is meant to do um one of the later ones have you play as iq where she'll look through her wrist mounted pad and spot anything battery orientated which means that if there's any gadgets running off a of battery like C4 or uh, if you want to know other ones, Jaeger's um, anti-grenade launcher thing, um, any traps, like, well, most traps, uh, any cameras as well, you'll spot them. And it's like the situations will walk you through some of these operators. Not all of them, but just give you get you into the vibe that uh any operator besides recruit does have a special ability that will help you they will also challenge you to play in a particular style to encourage you to experiment uh every time you do you'll get some extra renown such as uh the first situation will have you finish situation with at least 50 health remaining that's every single situation they'll always have that objective kill two enemies while aiming aiming is vital in this game you real this is not a game to spray and pray really dope iron sights or normal sights even are your friend don't just hit fire please don't hit fire um and perform four headshots 
every operator will have so much health, which is uh, related to armor, how much armor they've got, but a headshot will always kill. And it's like these situations will slowly break you through the types of plays you may be making uh, either in Terrace Hunt sometimes, but mostly in the PvP mode, which is 5v5. Um, so with- let's assume that you've played, uh, you've watched the tutorials and you've played the situations now. You're ready to go and play online, but you got to pick a couple characters first. Which ones well, are the best for you to pick? Well, hang on, sorry. Before we jump onto that, there's one more stage in terms of preparing yourself to the online mode. Sorry to cut you off. Promise we'll get back to what operators to pick. But uh, before you jump into casual, you're ready to shoot some actual live fire players. Terrorist hunt. Play terrorist hunt. Because that beyond situations will start to teach you about map layouts, will start teaching you about the importance of sound, uh, start teaching you to aim in particular ways, like trying to aim for headshots all the time, uh, start teaching you about game modes a bit. Not too much, but a little bit. Um, you know, it really gets you into viable things however before you do uh, i'm going to walk you through some steps so get into that cog area jump into options you'll need then from there you'll want to go into gameplay and click on matchmaking preferences don't worry this won't mess you up you then scroll down until where it says matchmaking preferences terrorist hunt and there will be one mode called Disarm Bomb. Disable it. This mode is annoyingly hard. Like, unnaturally hard. And I don't think it will teach you much, really. Because in the PvP mode, there is not really a, much of a situation where you'll need to disarm a bomb against waves of enemies. So it's not really needed just disable it but once you do that jump into casual give those a few punts and then eventually rank anyway sorry to cut you off old tree do you want to carry on <laughs> sure i just don't like terrasun i find it boring it's fine so i you don't know, think of it but it's um, not yeah it's, it's just not for everyone so yeah, moving yeah. on to characters when you're first starting off Especially if you've got the, the 20 base characters, so 10 attackers and 10 defenders, it's kind of tricky to know who to play as first. Mm. And I'm going to give you a couple to pick on attack because some operators can be fairly tricky to use because they have special special ways of playing because of their gadget. Mm-hmm. The first one I suggest is Sledge. Reason being, instead of using a breaching charge to blow up a wall, he uses a sledgehammer and you could swing it a lot. So this is really good for a new player to go and test out what's breakable and what's not. And that way you can learn what to look for in a map to determine if a wall can be broken or if a floor can be broken. Mm-hmm. Also, his gun is very solid. He's an all-around good play character. Even though I have every character, I still find myself going to Sledge a lot of the time because he's mm-hmm. a solid character. Okay. 
which what would I mean, be uh, a pick for you right i'm gonna admit i wouldn't touch sledge but that's personal preference and that's a large portion of this game for me uh are we only picking one attack operator or two uh just pick one for now okay because i've got a s- two operators on attack which i would 100 percent recommend for new players um one of the two and i'll see if i can sneak in a second one if audrey lets me one of the two is thatcher a large portion of this game is not about nailing the kills but also enabling others to nail kills to enable others to uh achieve their ends and thatcher does an excellent job of it he is the only well while there are some other operators who can theoretically break gadgetry such as Twitch and IQ, Thatcher's in a grenade form does it very reliably and, most importantly, through walls. Um, which means that if someone is trying to prevent a wall from being broken, a Thatcher grenade will just clear all the gadgetry stopping it. His EMP grenades breaks other um, other operators' abilities on defenders while not affecting any attacker ability. It makes him vital to the team. So if you always want to help your allies out while on attack, Thatcher is the way to go. All right, so I'm going to pick another attacker, and then you can pick your second. All right. So we got a Breacher. And we got a support class. Another fun one to try, I would say Montaigne, because he has a shield, but no. Shields are really hard to use, and I suggest avoiding them for the time being. But what I'm going to say is Fuse. Well, Fuse is a controversial character in a lot of ways. Mm. He has an interesting gadget where it shoots a cluster grenade into a room. It's just more so fun, and (laughs) it's a fun way of getting that balance of how to attack from the outside of a room without going in. In games Mm. like Call of Duty, you run into a room and you shoot. Fuse has the ability to attack from the outside while being unseen by planting his fuse charge, which shoots a cluster grenade on breakable objects, so a boarded up window or a wall that can be broken. Strategies are, you put the fuse charge on the wall, you put a breaching charge on the wall, you hit the fuse charge, as soon as that finishes, you breach the room everything's in chaos your team has fun so fuse might be another good one to try out at first he is tricky don't use him on hostage because you can't kill the hostage and lose around mm. be very careful with that but yeah okay i'm gonna pick one more and now i'm in a pickle because i thought you were gonna pick someone else um so now i've got to pick between one of two attack operators who i'd highly recommend um Damn, this is going to be tough because. Mm, okay, I think I'm going to go for utility again because why? I was going to recommend Glass because he is a character who is basic to the bolt. He is just a sniper rifle. Enemies glow, shoot the glowing enemies. You know, it's very simple, and can shoot through smoke, and that's him. But uh, I guess this is my way of sneaking in a third attack operator uh, because there's not really anything to talk about Glass 
Um, the other operator I'd recommend is Fermite. Because uh, the defenders have the ability to create reinforced walls, which means that breach charges, things like that, will not work. You cannot shoot through that wall, don't even try. It's just metal. Fermite fixes the problem. Fermite basically has breach charges that can break through for reinforced walls, which open up more angles, which can lead to more shooting. You know, Thatcher and Fermite could be the best of buddies, honestly. And the only reason that Fermite doesn't get more use than he currently does is because there is another operator who can do his ability from a distance, which renders her more safe. But Fermite is still a very, very potent operator. Um, so, what is one operator on the attacking team that a new player should not play? Uh, are we sticking with the original 20? Yes. I mean, you picked up Montagna. He is a classic one that I would not recommend. I would also... Hmm. I would personally say Twitch. Twitch is a character that uses a special drone that can shoot stun darts. Mm. The, Twitch is very versatile, and she's, she's again, a utility character. You can use her drone to go in and destroy uh, the enemy's gadgets. Problem is, is, if you're new and you don't know the map, you cannot use Twitch to her full potential. It's better to use other characters and use their drones to learn the maps and then get into Twitch. Although mm. she is a very powerful and good character... You won't be able to use her to the best of her ability until you start to learn the maps a bit more and what the defenders can and can't do. So it might be best to wait a while. Yeah. And plus, her drone can't jump as well, which decreases the mobility of said drone. Um, Twitch was definitely actually going to be one of the two operators I was going to say. The second operator is Blitz. He is a very high-risk, high-reward operator. Um, originally, for quite some time, he was part of the basement tier where he couldn't crawl out. He just kept being killed incredibly easily. Uh, Ubisoft gave him a bit of love, gave him a hug, you know, buffed his abilities a bit. So now he, when he sprints, when you're a normal shield operator, like if you're fused with a shield or if you're a Montagna... Your shield drops, you go to the side, and you start sprinting. Blitz keeps his shield up while sprinting, closing the gap, being able to flash him in the face. But the problem is, is it's very high risk, high reward, because if you don't nail that flash down, if you don't shoot, kill them in one magazine, you are basically caught with your trousers around your ankle and just you're probably going to get killed, especially if there's more than one person in the room who is able to react and kill you while you're trying to kill the second person. It's it's one where he can be a very, very nice operator, but only if you know how to use him. So I wouldn't recommend for new players. All right. So Shall now, we jump to defenders? That's exactly where I was going to go. What in is your fact, first defender that you would recommend to a new player? Actually, I just had a point. Um, what are your feelings on Ash and IQ? Because they're the only two remaining operators we haven't talked about in terms of the base level attackers. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, 
IQ is a little harder to use because her gadget means you have to use a pistol. So mm-hmm. she is in the situations, and you can learn how to use her, but she is a little bit riskier. I suggest not using her right off the hop. Maybe play for a little while before using her. Get used to how... Because in this game, you can lean left and right to peek around corners. Get yep. used to the gunplay before using her, because pistols are at a disadvantage to an assault rifle. Ash, on yep. the other hand, is an all-around character. She's very fast. She's a good shot. She's kind of vanilla in a way, but her gadget's really powerful because you could breach from a distance. Mm. So Ash is also a good starting one, but not the most flavorful. Yeah. For me, IQ is can be a very useful operator, especially in terms of noticing traps. We might eventually get to onto why it's not foolproof, because there's one operator one trap type she will not notice but she will notice traps the big problem with iq is utilizing that knowledge and it will require you to know what you're doing really um on the other hand ash because she's so vanilla it's a very easy operator to recommend straight off the bat. She also utilizes, um, because she's free speed one armor operator, she sees a lot of use in pro gamer leagues. Um, so, you know, she's actually one that has a very high skill ceiling. And we'll get later on in the podcast, we'll get to why, because there's a think of Pika's advantage and she utilizes that like no tomorrow but we'll get on to that later on anyway defenders let's go <laughs> all right so i'm gonna recommend the first one that players should try and that's mm-hmm. mute mute is fairly simple actually no i'm not gonna say mute i'm gonna say rook rook is <laughs> the best defender to start with reason being is his gadget you just hit the bunt you drop it and you're done what he does is he drops bulletproof armor for your teammates and you to pick up and put on. Being a defender is tricky because there's a lot of preparation and you have to barricade the room. You have to reinforce walls. And as someone starting off, having characters like Capcan, who places uh, trip mines and doorways, is fun and good. You should learn the preparation phase before you start using other characters that cause you to continuously prep the whole phase so having someone like rook you just drop your gadget you reinforce you get prepared it's easier to digest and get used to the preparation phase before you start moving on to characters that take a lot longer to use he rook also comes with the bonus now once you drop his ability on the floor and you can drop it nearly anywhere on the base like as long as it's on the objective point that's a good place to put his plates and because it's constant use you don't need to keep track of it it's i'd argue he is the best character any new player can play as like the rock bottom fantastic one and the thing is is he doesn't become bad at higher tiers either because because it's such a persistent ability and armor is still useful to some degree he doesn't have that skill ceiling. Um, if I had to recommend an operator for pl- new players to play as, I'm going to go with his best buddy, Doc. 
dogs a little harder to get a hold of and to work out how to really utilize how to work. But Doc also is a vital part of a team and one that can either be used defensively to keep healing your allies up because you get, I think, free charges? I believe so. Yeah, free so. charges. Um, sorry? I believe so. Yeah, free charges. And you boost the health by 40 uh, onto your allies. Or yourself. You can just ping on yourself. Or you can use it offensively, boost your health past 100, get to 140 health, which will slowly tick down to back to 100, and charge the enemy. You know, it works both ways. Plus, Doc and Rook have good pistols and SMGs. Go with the MP5. Don't, don't mess about with that shotgun. Shotgun's great, but you've got to know how to use shotguns to get that usage and the p90 is just is just a bullet hose and you don't need bullet hoses in your life you really don't just go with the mp5 you have a blast all right so my next operator this time i will say mute reason being is mute is yes it, he takes a little bit longer to set up but it's easy to use him as you just because he places a signal jammer which stops opponents drones from being used and many other things that we could cover at a later time we're already getting closer to one hour mark, so we got to speed it up. All right. <laughs> but the, the point of mute is you drop them by holes where drones can get in by doors so your opponents can't get the drones in and they can't use breaching charges because it will stop a breaching charge. Um, so mute is a really good all-around character. You drop your four signal jammers, you barricade or reinforce your walls because you can reinforce two walls as defender, and then you get prepared. So that is something that's very manageable. It takes a couple rounds to get used to it, but once you do, you're good. Also, I just want to say right now, being a defender is a lot harder to learn than being an attacker because you do have a preparation phase, and your preparation phase does influence the match. So don't be discouraged if you're having trouble with defense and learning what to do. It is a learning mm -hmm. process, and I stuck with Rook and Mute for a long time because it was me learning how to do the defense, where enemies were coming from and so forth. So if you just have a couple characters that you stick to, that's perfectly okay. Mm. Um, if I had to recommend a second defender, I'm going to go with... See, I'm stuck between two defenders now, myself. <laughs> um, I would go with Bandit. Bandit's a bit of a tricky beast for the same reason that Ash is, in the sense of having one armor and free speed. Makes you a bit of a vulnerable shell, but I also appreciate that Bandit has the ability to... Um, has uh, a very similar ability to Mute in the sense of he can deny abilities from working. If someone is playing a Thermite and trying to breach through that metallic wall, just throw a car battery on the thing and, you know... It won't work anymore. Um, it's very self-explanatory. Once you've thrown it down, you don't need to concern yourself with it. You don't need to keep paying attention to it. So I think that's also a nice little bonus to it. Um, yeah, that's my second pick. Shall we go to a third one and then do what we did with the attackers? Just for really quick. Um, first, we got to say, what defenders do you not recommend? I mean, we know what you're going to pick. 
I was actually going to say Castle. Oh, okay. Castle may seem like an easy operator to use, but if you don't know the flow of a map, he can be incredibly frustrating to play with, and you don't want to be one of those players. A lot Ooh. of people that play Castle, and I was guilty of this when I started, was because what he does, instead of putting up a normal wooden barricade, he can put up three bulletproof barricades, so that's doors or windows. And a lot of new players do is, or a lot of people new to Castle, is they castle up the windows and doors in the objective room, locking your team in there. This can cause your teammates to get mad at you, and it could cause you to lose because you're sitting ducks in a barrel. So until you start learning the flow of a map, castle is not the right one to pick at first. Because you've got to know where to where to castle, and let, or you're just going to make it harder for yourself to win. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's totally true. Also, in addition, castle makes the group vulnerable to fuse because fuse can just use a cluster grenade on said bulletproof uh, window or doorway. And while normally if it's wooden, you can just shoot straight through, shoot fuse in the face for his troubles. Bulletproof, you can't shoot back. So you're trying to shoot at this bulletproof barricade while the grenades are filling your room. You know, you're just going to get ruined. So Castle is a bit of a mess. Um, by the way, did you know there were two operators with the lowest, uh, what's called the wind delta, which is whenever they used, the chances of a wind happening decreases by a thing by about 1.5 percent yep and that was castle and tachanka yep so i'm i'm gonna get the chance to talk about tachanka <laughs> there's a meme oh, lord there's a meme lord about tachanka him. yep yeah he's not a lord i hate tachanka yeah okay so i think i'm gonna talk about this a little bit because tachanka is this he is a bit of a meme character now because he is considered absolute rock bottom tier like he is in the basement firmly he hasn't seen daylight you know i think child services have been called at this moment he is just right at the bottom he's not even in the basement like they they went down a few more floors and put him down there like if you watch yeah. people rate characters they usually stop at d and then they'll say thermite I mean, sorry, Tachanka. He's like, a, he's like an F. No, he's like yeah. a, like a G, M. an N. Yeah, he's like way down <laughs> yeah. there. His guns yeah. are solid because he's specialized. But his gadget is a turret. You stand and shoot at. You are a sitting duck. You will die. Yeah. As never we will, use him. I think this will have to be another episode at this point, but. Because of Pika's advantage, he does render himself quite vulnerable. Uh, even with the bulletproof shielding that he has, that he can see through, eventually those will break and you will die. And he is very easy to be countered. That said, if you play as him, it doesn't mean you're a guaranteed loss. Earlier today, even... <laughs> <laughs> to the annoyance of Audrey. Um, so annoyed. I actually was playing ranked because I wanted to get the rank up uh, because at the end of each season you get a little token for your troubles. I kept playing as Tachanka and I got the most kills. Um, 
The most kills that I got were with Tachanka, and I got the highest score on my team who won. Um, in one round, I killed three people with his mounted turret. Tachanka is very hard to play well as, and he does have a very low uh, skill ceiling. You know, there's only so far you can go with him before people just ruin you. But, you know, he can be fun because of that. He's but I still would highly recommend against because, you know, if you're trying to play the win. Yeah. Right. So shall we get for the rest of the defenders? All right. <laughs> yes. Right. So there are two defenders I would also recommend players not to players. And the reason is they have a very high skill floor. Jaeger is one of them. Jaeger can be a very potent force, especially because of his assault rifle. He is one of the very few defenders, if not the only defender, with an assault rifle uh, as part of his build. That makes him useful. He is also able to shoot grenades out the air with his gadget. Makes him useful. But you have to know how to make full use of that Pika's advantage to make him into a monster. Uh, otherwise you're just not going to get the full mileage out of him uh, do you want to cover the second one uh, I think we know what it is but I'm going to say Capcan or Smoke Pulse actually <sighs> Pulse is very I would say has a very high skill floor as well if you're, because if you're going to play Pulse what? you're going to want to be someone with a mic playing with friends because that's when he shines the most Yep. Also, bring C4 for the adventure because nothing like throwing C4 through a window and knocking someone in the face with it. But he is very hard to play well. You may know where that heart trace is, but it's utilizing that information to get mileage out of. Um, to clarify quickly, Pulse uses a gadget he pulls out. It's like a camera. He scans through walls and sees people heartbeat, and on the on the screen it it shows a heartbeat, so you know where enemies are if they're within range. That's why he says bring C4 if they're on the other side of a breakable wall. Throw C4 on it, blow it up, they're dead. Floor above you, blow it up, they're dead. But yeah. knowing where to look, when to look, is is the critical point. And if you have a mic, it's better because you could just be like, okay, he's on the other side of the wall. He's on the other side of the wall. Man, go around, go around. You just sit there and watch as he moves, and you can tell your teammate where he is at all times. Mm. Uh, you also don't get information on what attacker is on the other side, so you don't know if you're warning them against an Ash, who can then just flick around and shoot him in the face, or if it's a Montagna, where flanking is the best way to approach it. You're only giving a location. Um, Alright, so do you want to cover the other two? Okay, so Capcan is really good. I love his shotgun. Um, mm -hmm. He takes a lot for prep because he you have to place, I think it's five tripwire mines on either windows or doors. I thought it was six, but I might be wrong about that. I lost count. Um, he's really good once you, again, you have to know the flow of the map and where people are coming from. You don't place them on windows. They're too visible. When you place them on a, on a door, hit crouch, look down, place it down there so it's a trip line it's not in eyesight again he has a lot to prep placing this five or six charges and then going to reinforcing walls you're usually five five okay 
Yeah. So you're usually prepping into the attack phase because there's mm. a 45 second prep phase where the defense gets to do whatever they want. The attackers use their drones to come and find where the objective is, and then you go into the attack phase. Usually, you do prep into the attack phase with Capcan. It's just the nature of him. Hmm. Um, also, I would add on top of that, there is a lot of mind games element. I would say that I kind of do really like Capcan. Oh, I love him, but he's very hard he's for a new satisfying. player. Yeah, he's very satisfying if you nail it, but it's all down to playing mind games and knowing when they will approach and when they will feel safe. Because if you just do it on the objective, they're going to know... And if they know there's a cap can on the enemy team, they are going to definitely check those windows and doorways into the objective. But if you're doing it for how they're entering the building a distance away when they think they would be safe, you know, they might not check. Um, also, if you want to talk about Smoke, I think it's the last one. Yeah, Smoke is the last one. His guns are powerful, but they, they have some recoil with them, so it does take some gunplay skills to use. The other thing with Smoke is he is a pro-level character because of his gadgets are meant to not kill someone. It's meant to stop them from getting into the room. So Yeah, like discourage them. Yeah, it's a discouragement tactic. Um, it's used to to prolong their movements. So he does take practice on knowing when and how to use it because what he does is he throws a smoke canister out that sticks to objects and then he remote detonates it and creates a big yellow smoke cloud that suffocates players. The thing is, is if you don't know when and how to use it or you use them all really early in a match, he's not being used to his full potential. His full potential is the match is dragged out to the last 30 or 40 seconds. That team has to rush in you have two smoke charges. You smoke out the door, they can't get in, they have to slow down. Now it's the last 15 seconds to come in. You smoke that door, they have to take damage coming in, and it makes it easier for you to kill them. He is mm. the last minute operator that saves the round. He's not the beginning operator that wins the round. Hmm. Totally. Um, and in fact, we'll do... One more thing, and then we'll move on from operators. Pick two attackers each and two defenders each in terms of DLC operators. Okay. Say, say finally, you have this new player, and they've hoarded all their pocket change, and they're ready to buy the DLC operators, the really expensive ones. What ones should they buy first? Hmm. On attack... I know which one you're going to say, so I'm going to... I'm not going to say that one. I'm... I'm going to say a few, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say Buck. Okay. The reason for Buck is, if you want to practice using a shotgun, he has an undermounted shotgun. He's very versatile with this undermounted shotgun as his gadget, because he can blow open walls and doors and rush in. It's also good for close-range combat. He also comes with two different rifles. He comes with a DMR, which is a single... A semi-automatic rifle and he comes with a full auto gun most people are used to full auto guns there are characters in the game that only have a semi-automatic gun so buck would be a good entry point because you can practice with semi-automatics because semi-automatics are a high skill ceiling gun so buck is kind of vanilla 
but offers a lot of versatility because he has full auto, semi-automatic, and a shotgun. He'll always have a shotgun, and you can get picked between semi and full auto. So he's vanilla, but very, very powerful and versatile. And also, as a Canadian, he's a Canadian. Gotta rep the guys. I say him. (sighs) Okay. Right, so... I'm actually going to pick someone who I don't think Audrey thinks I'm going to pick. I'm going to go with Blackbeard the Pirate. And the reason is, it's similar to Glaz. He is very easy to understand how his ability works. And he has a lot of power if you do know how to use him. He has a bulletproof shield that he puts on his gun that will break after so many shots. I think it's like two, three shots. It's not much, but as I said before, this is a game where two, three shots can make all the difference between staying alive and crying as you bleed out on the floor. So those shots might be all you need to shoot him in the face. He has a semi-automatic rifle and a full auto rifle, so he does have the bonus that Buck offers. But I would also argue is easier to understand Buck and is more potent than Buck in terms of peaking. Uh, he doesn't really f- offer any utility. He is just a monster in his own way. So I will say this one caveat only- though about him. Don't don't get, use his pistol. <laughs> not that. Don't get overconfident because of his shield. Many players who put the shield on think that it's going to save them. It will save you from one or two headshots, and then you will die. He is meant to get the peeker's advantage, which we will talk about later, because I'll cover that quickly. But don't become yeah. overconfident because of the shield. You still have to play like normal. He's mm-hmm. just there as like safety's sake. Don't be overconfident. Yeah. Um. Okay, so that's my black beard. Who are you going with? Ah. Uh, hmm. See, I I know the other one you're gonna pick, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stay away from that one. You can go for it if you want, and I'll pick someone else. I don't mind. Um, I'm gonna go with Ying. A little bit controversial there. She's a three-speed, one armor. Her gadget though can be used a couple ways. What she does is she throws what's called a candela. It's a flash grenade. Um, it, if you throw uh, it at the... Two speed. Oh, sorry. Two speed, two armor, not three speed. Oh, my mistake. So she's average on speed and damage input. Um, but her gadget is... It's called a candela. It has three lights on it that charge up that determines its delay. If it's a breakable object, you could place it on a breakable object like a fuse and it will cluster out flash grenades. Number two is if you you can throw it, unlike fuse, you could throw this and if you hit the ground, it will just keep rolling. It's like a motorized ball that will just keep rolling. So it's really good to get under doors. Also, it makes a lot of noise so you can distract people with noise. Easy to use, hard to master, fun character for a new person. Not the best out there, but she does give you some different ways to play and learn a few different tactics Mm. personally i don't like ying at all i think that people know too often how to steer clear of flash grenades and i think there are plenty of other dlc operators who are more potent and monstrous in their ability plus 
I don't value her shotgun or LMG. LMGs are only starting to get a bit of love in the upcoming patch. They already have. And I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, they already got a bit of love, but I would still... I still don't like using LMGs, and Ying only has a shotgun and LMG, so... No, I don't see any value in her, but, you know, if you manage to get her to work, brilliant. At the end of the day, Siege is all about what you want to play as, not what I want you to play as. Like, I don't play Blackbeard, um, but you do, and that's perfectly fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is the one that Audrey thought I was going to pick straight off the bat, so I may as well cover it. Hibana. Hibana is like Thermite, except you can do it from a distance, which means that you have a lot more security. You're less likely to get peeked out as you um, put on a charge on the wall. It's a lot more safer. Her weapons are also pretty monstrous as well with her assault rifle. Uh, the only downside to her assault rifle is it has a lower magazine count, but it's often offshoot by just not getting greedy and not letting firefights last too long with the assault rifle. Uh, still kind of hits like a train though. And her SMG sidearm has become a monster in and of itself. There are two SMGs which, um, which a lot of players love using the SMG 11. So no free SMGs now. The SMG 11 for the SAS, the SMG 12, which is the South Korean side. Um, I think it's a 707th uh, battalion, which is the Kabian Vigil. And the SMG, who I don't remember the name of. Um, hang on, I'm just grabbing the name. Bearing 9, which is uh, Hibana and echo and the bearing nine is a monster weapon as well so basically we're talking about being able to hard breach from a safe distance with weapons which are monstrous it's um, a wonderful character players the main thing you want to be careful of is when you're hard breaching you're only getting half a walls half a doorways worth out of each shot you get three shots, so you can decide, okay, I'm going to use two of them to create a big enough doorway to dash through, or one that you can crawl through. Just be careful with that. Um, so I will say, depending on the map, it might be better to use Thermite or Habana. If it's a much closer map, Thermite might be good to breach out a whole wall, but you can only do two, while Habana, from a distance in a bigger map, can do uh, windows where you can look in. So it, again, it's mm. personal preference. You can also break open a hatch with just one shot, so keep that in mind. Um, just a fair warning, the rest of the DLC operators is fine and dandy, but we also got the attacker's version of Tachanka in the form of Capiteo. Capiteo is in the basement himself. Um, he has a crossbow bolt, two shots which unleash basically Molotov cocktails, and for three or four shots, I think, which two unleash smoke. smoke that two two that unleash smoke that he can't peek through himself. It's not. Um, In all my time yeah. of playing Rainbow Six, I'm, I think I've only been killed once by Capitals, um 
Molotov thing because I was like two percent health. I've never actually mm. seen someone do it otherwise. Truth be told, the only times I've managed to kill someone with Capitao's crossbow bolt is literally with the crossbow bolt. As in, I shot him with the crossbow bolt in the chest and he died. Nothing to do with the fire effect afterwards. So, yeah. He is absolutely in the toilet. Anyone else in the DLC list, you know what, is a good pick. Um, I will we have our favorites, but I will advise against using Dokebi right off the hop. Um, her shotgun is a two-shot slug shotgun. If you miss, you will die. If you hit, it will drop them instantly. Her other gun is a DMR, so again, if you're not used to semi-automatic, she will be a bit harder to use. Yeah. Otherwise, she also, has some good versatility. Sorry. Yeah. Also, while we're on that conversation, I'm not going to go into depth why, because we are running out of time. Lion and Finker are complicated operators. They are probably going to see some debuffs. Uh, Lion already got debuffed very recently because he was a monster in the pro leagues. Uh, Finker will likely see some debuffs because she is an awkward mess. Um, Lion was like reverse smoke. He was to rush in or to get intel while smoke was to prolong line was mm. to speed up in a way yeah yeah it, i'm really not I mean. gonna go it yeah i'm really not gonna go into depth about these two characters but thinker has a lot of things going on in terms of how her ability works and it's just a mess so yeah. i'd advise line and thinker new operators new players just leave and be maybe lion but definitely not thinker anyway Defenders, DLC operators, pick two. I'm just going to do this pretty quick. I'm going to say, hmm, probably, <laughs> I guess not so quick. Really quick. Lesion mm. and, or Lesion and Ela. Reason being is they're kind of, they're trap characters. They're basic. Um, Ela has a good submachine gun, really fast fire weight. She used to be so good she got debuffed. Her guns are solid. She's still solid. She throws out concussion stuff that if someone walks by, it blows up, concusses them, the screen goes all wonky. Mm -hmm. You know when that happens, kind of, and it's just sort of a vanilla character with a good trap. Same with Le mm -hmm. uh, Legion or Lesion, except his traps are a little bit more versatile. Um, he gets more of them. Max 8, they recharge every 30 seconds, and you can just toss them out. They turn invisible. You see them on the screen. If you hear one crack, you look over, it's like, oh, my, my charge is missing, you know where they're coming from, it poisons them, they have to pull it out, there's lots of different ways, he works with a lot of different characters, you could put them in windowsills, so if someone's repelling up, they get hit, they have to go down, take it out, yada yada yada, there's a lot to it, but he's a really good basic character nonetheless, he's kind of vanilla. And SMG is an absolute monster of a thing, yes. barely any recoil, very fast rate. What are your two defenders? My two defenders are Mirror and Valkyrie. Mirror basically has two uh, black mirrors. You can see through one way. They can't see you unless if you crack them open. Uh, they There is a lot of versatility of what you can do with them. Uh, you can use them as pure reconnaissance in terms of only you can see them and they can't see you. So they don't know if you're staring at him in the face or if you're busy doing something else 
uh, but you can see whatever they're up to and react accordingly, including shoot through the wall next to said black mirror. The other alternative is there's a tactic that utilizes two black mirrors side by side. One black mirror is cracked open and the other black mirror is left as is. You stare through one, the sealed black mirror, see the enemy and then just quickly peek out through the other black mirror. Also, always, 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 always do this on reinforced walls because they will give you cover. If you do it on non-reinforced walls, you basically will get shot at underneath or they'll just break it around it. Uh, the main things to watch out for is Hibana's uh, trap can break them down. Sorry, not trap, ability. And Twitch can break open the black mirrors with her own gunfire. Just be wary don't if you have an ally who throws down a black mirror just be nice try not to break them unless if you really 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 are confident that you should um the second one is valkyrie valkyrie has three uh black eyes which watch people they are cameras they're just cameras but they are smaller you can from wherever you want and you can peek at enemies. Keep in mind that while staring through the camera, and I mean anyone can stare through that camera, it glows blue. Otherwise, it is just a dull black. When it is glowing blue, the enemy can spot it quite easily, honestly. Uh, especially if you start uh, pinpointing enemies. And they'll know that there's a camera nearby, spot the black eye, shoot it out. So be wary, but it can offer a lot of surveillance and reconnaissance of what's going on. Um, with regards to a weapon, both their weapons, sorry, I forgot to cover mirrors. Uh, I'll go through Valkyrie's. Valkyrie's SMG is solid. Her shotgun, most shotguns I don't like, honestly. Uh, even the GSG-9, which is the German, so uh, it's actually just Jaeger and Blitz. Their shotguns are brill, but their other weapon is a lot better. Valkyrie's shotgun is brilliant as well. Keep in mind, it is a shotgun, so it doesn't have massive range, but it's pretty damn solid. Um, and her SMG is good. Her pistol, like Blackbeard's, is Desert Eagle, so has a lot of kickback, so just be wary. Uh, Mirror, Mirror gets to pick between a pistol and a shotgun. The shotgun has basically no range, but hits like a train. You should mostly use it to just open up doors if and walls if needed. And her SMG is a, um, and her primary weapons, well, you can either pick the shotgun, which is the larger version of the sidearm shotgun, which, alright, or you can pick the SMG and be an absolute devastating monster as it unleashes bullets like a bullet hose onto the enemy. So, definitely recommend Valkyrie, definitely recommend Mira. For new players, I would steer clear of Caviera because it requires map knowledge to pull her off, and... She can be very vulnerable when doing her ability, but if you know what you're doing, if you play Caviera well, then, like the rest of the DLC operators, is a complete and utter blast. See, when you're on defense, there are two things. There are objective-based players, and then there are roamers. Caviera is a roamer. That means she leaves the objective room, and she 
uh, sorry, she wanders around, meaning she's very prone to being flanked, and if you just go the wrong way, you could die. Uh, and her gadget is she walks silently so she can't be heard, but that means she pulls out the pistol, so like shield, you're at a disadvantage, especially because she's not being defended. She can interrogate a down but not out player, but you're also prone to being shot at that point. She is very hard to use. Stay away f- from her if you're a new player. I don't even play her. I play her a bit, and if I pull off a interrogation, it's always wonderful as basically you have the entire enemy team getting killed one by one, but it's only if you pull her off there is a very high skill floor and she actually doesn't see much pro use as well because if an enemy team is well coordinated they will avoid being on their own which is what Caviera preys upon um, also if we're talking about Romas, Ella is also another Roma so as much as Audrey recommends Ella I'd be wary personally. She's but still good on that's objective, just me. though. Mm, I wouldn't say so personally, but that's just me. Anyway, so uh, we are running out of time, so I think this is going to be a two-part episode. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot um, of stuff we wanted to cover, so we'll go into maps on another episode. We will also go in with hidden encounters and synergies between characters. There is two things I want to talk about before. We give you a YouTube suggestion and our send-off. There is a problem with knowing what character belongs to what unit. All the characters in Rainbow Six Siege are based on real-life CTU units, counter-terrorist units. So the Germans are GSG-9, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. When you get challenges, it says, play three rounds as a GSG-9. If you don't know what characters are GSG-9, it does not tell you in-game and you have to look it up online. You have to look up a yep. wiki or Reddit or whatever. This is a barrier of entry that I believe Ubisoft should fix. It's just a simple, put a little thing that tells players who's on what CTU. Just in brackets. Yeah, just even a little symbol down there. Unless it's sprawled out on their uniform that you could see, you're not going to know. That's a problem. It's going to take a little bit to know that. Yeah. Um, I mean, most operators, when you pull them up in the... Um, yeah, when you pull them up into the bio, if you go into operators, we'll tell you flat out who they're with. So you can jot that down if you really want. They're also kind of color-coded as well. But again, if you don't know, more, you, just, you just don't know. Yeah. The trick... So we'll go through very quickly who the um, who the sides are. So... And then we'll jump on to Pika's Advantage, I think, is second topic. Yeah, I, I'm going to quickly cover Pika's Advantage and what yeah. leaning is in the game. I'll, all right, so I'll quickly jump through the side. So SAS, we're talking about the UK faction. This is part of the original 20. So Sledge, Thatcher, Smoke, Mute. There is the FBI. These are the Americans. Ash, Fermite, Castle, Pulse. Then there's the GIGN. These are the French, Twitch, Montagna, Doc, Rook. Then there are Spetsnaz. You know the Spetsnaz. The Russian. Glass, Fuse, Katkan, Tachanka. Then there's the GSG-9. These are the Germans. Keep in mind you can tell that they're German because they're the dope 
where they wear just casual clothes underneath their armor these are blitz iq jaeger bandit then there's uh, the canadian Joint task force um yeah thank you uh, usually referenced as the gtf2 these are buck and frost then there are the navy seals which are black these are Americans again, so Blackbeard, Valkyrie. Then there is the Bope, B-O-P-E. These are Capiteo and Caviera. They're Brazilian. Then there are the Japanese SAT, which are Hibana and Echo. Then there are the Spanish G G-E-O, which is Jackal and Mira. Then, then we're getting to more difficult territory in the form of... Um, where are they from again? Hong Kong. Um, the Hong Kong SDU, which is in the form of Ying and Lesion. Then there are the Polish Gru, in GRU, in the form of Zofia and Ella. Then there are the South Koreans. This is the one that I actually still get tripped up on, which is the 700th and set. 707 special mission battalion sometimes shortened to the s707 or the smb they are dukebi and vigil and then finally the final two operators recently added are i'm trying to actually get their name like the side's name because goddamn they're not even mentioning this myself it's a cbrn um, chemical CBRN? Yeah. It's yeah, chemical something, something. Something, something. <laughs> Believe me, I'm not trying to pronounce the others. So, yeah, CBRN. They're in the form of Thinker and Lion. They are not country specific, with Lion being French and Thinker being Russian. So, that's everyone. But you know what? If you, if you get a weekly challenge... Um, if I remember rightly, if they're brown or bronze colored, they are the original 20, you'll be fine. You'll also tell the difference between you have to kill eight people as them. If you'll also only get daily challenges to play as the original t uh, five sides. Yeah, five sides. You'll never get a DLC operator in the daily challenges. If it's a daily challenge one, you'll be asked to kill four Sorry, not kill eight people. Win eight rounds as them. The DLC operators, you'll be asked to win four rounds as them. I think they also have a golden icon, but I'm not 100% sure. So I would usually differentiate them in terms of if you're being asked to kill, win eight rounds or four rounds. And then just Google it. Give it a quick Google, and then it will tell oh, you. Also, if there's anyone confused... Uh, two new characters have been announced and revealed. They have not yet hit the game. They are the GIS. They are from Italy. They are Maestro and Alibi. And they have yet to hit the game as of recording this episode. Yep, we're not going to really talk about them right now. There's so one other character reason. we haven't covered, and that's called Recruit. This is... Oh. <laughs> it's basically a super vanilla, toned-down character. If you don't pick a character, you automatically get Recruit. And they're based off the five original, the SAS, the FBI SWAT, the Gigan, the Spesinaz, or the GSG-9. They are basically around them. They don't have any special gadgets. They're just super vanilla. Stay away. The only thing that they get 
Well, the only thing that they get that's special, well, their special ability is to get two what's called deployable abilities, which are things like impact grenades, frag grenades, barbed wire, De- deployable like shield in C4. They get, yeah, they only get one reinforced wall, mo- everyone else gets two. And they get some unique combinations, such as being able to be an attacker with the German shotgun, or uh, what I would argue one of the best shield pistol combinations, which is the M45 Mescock, I think it is, which is the FBI pistol with a ballistic shield. I mean, if you're going to play recruit attacker... The shield pistol FBI combo is pretty brill if you're going to play recruit, but you know, there are other ways to play the game. <laughs> All right, so speaking um, of playing the game, yep. something that Rainbow Six Siege does that no other first person shooter does that I've seen, well, there's some, but not modern, is you can lean. So when on console, when you aim down sight, you press in the analog stick, you will, instead of just looking down your sight, you'll lean over while looking down the sight so only your head pokes out around a corner so you could shoot lowering making your silhouette smaller making it harder for you to hit and so forth on pc you hit q or e and you can lean during hit fire and stay there and then aim down sight go around a corner so leaning is a big thing especially when it comes to peeking around corners so you're not fully visible this is something that rainbow six siege does and it does very nicely because if they didn't have leaning it would not be nearly as tactical as it would and I believe leaning is one of the big reasons the game has done as well as it has. Uh, I mean, there are many other games that use leaning, but they tend to be more of the hardcore military sims. So games like Insurgency use lean, if I recall correctly. Um, but Rainbow Six Siege is one of the very few um, AAA-developed major league sports titles that use leaning. Um, so this is going to go into something called Peeker's Advantage that we've brought up many times in the podcast, but have yet to really cover. Peeker's Advantage is something that's hard to grasp. So basically, how online gaming works is I have my con- all my information is being digitally and sent over the internet to a server that then holds everyone's information and then relays that back on position. That sounds complicated. So basically, let's just say my internet speed's fast, your internet speed is slow. If my internet speed is fast and I pop out of a corner, because your internet speed is slow, you're not going to see me pop out of that corner for a little while because you've got to wait to be told that I'm out there. But during that time that you don't see me, I can still shoot you. This is Peeker's advantage. Basically, it's an amalgamation of someone's reaction time mixed with their internet connection speed compared to someone else. It can be incredibly frustrating to use. And this is why three-speed or two-speed operators beat operators with lower speed. They can move faster, pop out of cover quicker, and shoot before the opponent can even see them. It is annoying. It's part of the game. It's a technical issue that cannot really be fixed. It's a, it's just internet connection. It's based on speed, distance, all that different things. So hopefully that is enough for people to understand how it works. It's... It is tricky, it's annoying to deal with, but it is something that now is a skill in the game. It's a technical issue turned skill. If you know how to use it, you can use it very well and be a really good peeker. That's why characters like Mm. Habana 
who's a three speed and Ash. and Ash, who are three speed operators, can poke around a corner really fast, shoot someone before the opposing player knows. Because their character moves faster, they're covering more distance before that information is told that they're somewhere on the map. Hmm. Yeah. Um I mean there's an entire Rainbow Six uh dev blog that really breaks down what Pika's advantage is that I recommend checking out. But it does get uh, really if we technical. can't link it. Yeah. If we can't link it, just Google Ubisoft uh Pika's Advantage and look for a dev blog called Ping Abuse, Pika's Advantage and Next Steps. And it's all down to the fact of the reaction time minus the ping of the victim equates to the window of opportunity, which can lead to situations where you're playing along and you just get shot in the face by someone you never saw. So, yeah, I'd definitely check it out if you start getting a bit frustrated. It, As Audrey said, it can't really be fixed because it is network encoded. And honestly, it's something that does appear in most other games as well, Overwatch included. But the reason why it isn't as important in those games is because you don't have the level of vulnerability in Siege as you do in those games, as well as the high level of destructibility and penetration. So, honestly... It's something to keep in mind, and it's why free speed one armor operators are so powerful, and it's why soon we're actually going to see a bit of a buff and debuff where free speed operators are going to get their speed reduced a little bit, and free armor operators are going to get their speed increased a little bit. All right, so moving on because we're hitting the on our recording software. It's same right at an hour and forty minutes, so it's getting pretty long. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's do the last yeah. part. So for a lot of new players, <laughs> especially me, YouTube helped get me involved. So I'm g- I have more YouTube channels I'm going to recommend. Rio has one really good one, so I'm going to let him talk about that quickly. Right. So the main thing about why Audrey wants to recommend YouTube channels basically boils down to that they can offer tactics and advice that i admit we're not going to be able to because these are guys where they reach platinum reliably and you know they're monstrous in nature they've literally created Um, careers or almost created careers out of making the youtube videos analyzing breaking down the game some of them go straight into like statistical numbers with guns through testing frame rates and all these different things so if you really want to dive into it they hold a lot of really good info that most players will not die for so i'll go through my singular channel the channel is varsity gaming v-a-r-s-i-t-y um the reason is is they while he does a lot of these videos where he just does gameplay videos and chats about it and he does some funny ones as well which are like highlight reels of bizarre things that happened the main thing that he does is what's called siege school where he talks he gives you advice of how new players can get better um and he covers a lot of topics really tons of topics such as um sorry i'm trying to get a siege school example (laughs) because it's sadly been a while since he's done siege school um 
do, 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 do. where's the siege school siege school siege school siege school. even though it's been a while since he's created siege school the info that this guy's produced is still really good for new players and anyone learning or wanting to better their game yeah it is still very relevant what this guy talks about um like he does map coverage talking about how to play maps like Tarawell or or he talks about I'm really sorry about this dead time guys <laughs> um in fact it helps if I if you hear clackering that's my awful keyboard there so like he talks about thinker he talks about how to down someone he talks about uh how to teach friends maps which is a very unusual thing to teach but it does become useful for players like me who want to introduce others into siege he talks about what's called gadget interaction and inconsistency so what happens if you get an emp grenade and throw it into a room with a jaeger gadget down well he talks about that uh which in that case by the way it gets shot out the air um he i mean he also talks about some more basic lessons as well which i absolutely adore it's like he talks about how to anchor which is when uh audrey was talking about roaming which is when you leave the base and move about anchoring is when you stay in the base and you defend he talks about defending aggressively which is not quite roaming it's more going towards the enemy and trying to nail kills he talks about how to counter roaming if you get frustrated about being picked off there's a lot of videos and they're all pretty valuable so check that out and to Aldry <laughs> alright so I have a good plenty uh, probably like five. Yeah, five. So, Rainbow Six Siege is constantly updated. So, a lot of news gets created. Sometimes, it's like new news every three or four days. So, the two best channels for news, in my personal opinion, that I've come across is Core Ross, C-O-R-E-R-O-S-S, and Cat 25 I'm going to do my best to get all these channels down in the description. Uh, if not, I'm very sorry. They're both very good at covering news very fast, usually within a day or within a couple hours. So if you're looking for up-to-date news, those two are really good to follow. They cover it, they don't drone on, and they just get to the point. So you're going to need to, they'll give you everything you need to know. Two other channels I recommend is Rogue-9 and Prodigy Pete. Reason being is these are two players who play the game a lot but they delve into the statistics. They do a lot of tests. They go into the test server, which holds like future updates being tested on PC. And they literally break down what's going on and they try to get it down to a number basis. Sometimes they will look at frame rate compared to shots fired, um, comparisons, all different things. And they will share it with you in the best possible way that will help you understand it. And, it's just it, it it gives you a different way of looking at the game it also yeah i mean based on my sorry no go ahead 
Um, I mean, based on my experience with Rogue Nine, um, Audrey has watched a lot more Rogue Nine than me, but based on what I've seen, he does do number crunching, but also has the ability to make it accessible and actually just give you what is going on, just give you the conclusion, boil it down to its most basic level, so even if you're a knuckle-dragger like me who just screams when numbers appear on the screen, I can understand it because he just explicitly states what the information means, and I think that's something that a bad, like, a bad YouTuber would do, where if they would just throw statistics at you and not give you a conclusion and the implications of the data. Rogue Nine does it brilliantly, so... Yep. <laughs> Another thing that all four of these channels, and including the one after, but I'll clarify a little bit more about the one after. What they all do is they look at Pro League gameplay, and if there's a really cool player or tactic, they will make a video breaking down that strategy. Have you ever heard of football players rewatching their games and breaking it down to see where they went wrong? Well, these guys are doing it for Pro League Rainbow Six Siege. I have found many tactics and strategies that I never thought of through watching a few of those videos, gone and tried them, and they're a lot of fun. So if you're looking for new ideas and new ways to play, they're also really good for that. The last channel I'm going to recommend right now is Get Flanked. He, like me, is a player that went from PS4 to PC, except he's going more so to the pro level at this rate he's going from casual more to the hardcore pro levels i'm not saying he is a pro i'm not sure where he stands on that but he covers a lot of really cool uh information about how to play characters he's covered a lot of info on like pro league styles he's done tips on how to drone in what to do what not to do he has a lot of really good tip videos and coming from the casual to the professional perspective he delivers them in a way that makes it easy for everyone to understand and listen. And he's not like, oh, you have to do it this way or you're a bad player. He's just, he's calm, he's collected, he gets you the info in a really entertaining and good way. Another thing he's done is he's interviewed Pro League players. He's had episodes where it's kind of like a podcast thing with gameplay in the background where he's just interviewing professional players, their experiences, how they got in there, why they like the game and so forth. So always a good entertaining video and those are my recommendations brill and yeah sadly this went on way too long and we've actually still got information to cover so i think this might be something of a two-parter before oh definitely we probably do the third episode about parabellum and what it means um i don't know what the third episode is it might be that so yeah, look out for that in the near future. And yeah, thank you for joining us. Um, and we're really excited to bring this information on. I admit, we're both players who probably hit copper in ranked. Am I wrong? Uh, I, I went to like bronze two one time and then I just kept going down. I don't like, no, I don't like seeing this. I keep getting shitty teams. <laughs> so uh, I just play casual for fun. Yeah, it's, like not everyone needs to be a pro player. Fault. Which is good to have fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I recently played ranked and I managed to get up to silver four, I think. 
I think one season I got up to gold when I was first ranked, but every single time I'll always just lose and lose and lose and lose and lose and just go on a losing streak and crawl into the depths of copper and just try to find out if there's a paper tier. I keep hearing there is, but at this rate I'm digging, I'll find out one day. And yeah, so thank you for joining us and... You know, this is going to be every two weeks, so we'll hopefully see you in two weeks' time. Hope you have a good day, a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, and a good night. Goodbye. Goodbye.